What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey guys, hope you're doing well today. Cloud back with you here for the New Vision Podcast, and we are continuing through the book of John. Uh, today we're in on day 23, and I'm going to be looking in John chapter 7, starting through 53, which is kind of like the last verse. It's really the first 11 verses of chapter 8. So John 7, 53 through 8, 11, and I'm reading out of ESV. Now, pause. I'm going to stop right here because when I look at my Bible, and you probably look in yours too, uh, no matter what version you have, I have a bracket, and it says, the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. So it's like, uh, like, okay, what do I do with this now? Um, a lot of people can get upset or spun out or turn turn around because of stuff like this. And I know no matter where you are as a Christian in, in America, it's hard. People are attacking the Bible or attacking the Christian faith. And some people might think things like this. Or like, wait, why is this in the Bible that says that the earliest manuscripts don't include it? Make it harder to defend Christianity, that the Bible is God's word, that it's true and what he says is accurate and it's in, inspired and God breathed out to us, his word to us. And so I think this is actually the opposite of the case. I think it actually makes God's word even more credible I've, I've talked about this before. A lot of times in the Bible, you'll see these little asterisks or a superscript, or I have mine in brackets. It's like, hey, here's a little bit about why you know this is printed this way in our English translation. So maybe you don't know, but the Old Testament is written in, in Hebrew, and the New Testament is written in Greek, Koine Greek, so biblical Greek, uh, common Greek. And so when Jesus was spending these times with his disciples, and, when, and John is uh, you know experiencing these events and he writes them down later, right? So there's these orally, the oral tradition, these speaking about all these things that happen at some point, not too long after Jesus is resurrected, these books get written. We're talking like AD, you know, 30s through AD 70, which the, the Jerusalem got sacked by Rome in AD 70. And you can kind of post date these things and like, okay, so this was written, actually scribed out and written down sometime in, in this time period to that time period. So not much long after all the events actually took place, right? So this is like the history being written down. So when you see things like the earliest manuscripts do not include these verses, all it's saying is like the oldest parchment, right? Because they don't have the originals, but the oldest like copies of the Greek text on papyri is what they're called. There's, you know, those little rolled up scrolls, right? papyri do not include the the content that we see in our English translations of 753 through 81. Now that, that doesn't mean they're not in any. You know, a, lot, a lot of people say that you know a couple centuries later you have the, the other manuscripts that start to have them. And so obviously most scholars and most theologians believe that this was added, written down added later on. Now that doesn't mean that it's not historical. That doesn't mean that it's not accurate. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Like I believe that it does happen, and I think many people do. And obviously, the earliest church in the A.D. 200s, 300s adamantly believed this was in the canon 
of what actually happened in Jesus's ministry in his life. It just didn't happen to be written down on the oldest manuscript. So I think the brackets provide this level of honesty. My my kind of opinion is that uh, a lot of the oral stories, they were talked about amongst the disciples and Jesus after he was resurrected. Then John writes his manuscript and he writes it in a certain way to, to have theological if you notice, the Gospels are written in different ways, and John is different than all the other Gospels in the way that it's written. So he's writing it in a specific way, and for whatever reason, he just didn't write this particular one in his earliest versions. But I think he passed it down, his his written accounts, with an oral story that was what we see here in this text. And so I'm sorry I've blabbered on about this. All that to say, I hope you can have confidence in that these little subscripts that say, hey, this wasn't in the earliest manuscripts, actually add credibility to the Word of God. That This actually happened, and God is in the business of caring for His Word to be distributed to His people. We have the English translations of that now, and we have scholars that have done their due diligence to figure out like exactly how it was written and what sources were used and all that stuff. And I think all the textual criticism that goes into finding how we got our English Bibles proves again and again and again that this is accurate. We can trust God's word and we can trust him. And so all that to say, we're going to read it anyways, even though we have those brackets, but that's just to give you some confidence why those brackets are there. So here we go. I'll shut up. Let's move on. John chapter seven, verses 53 through eight eleven. They, the disciples, went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in his midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women, so what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, I know I spent a lot of time at the beginning of that talking about like, oh, this was in the early. And you heard that. And I'm, I guarantee everybody, even if you're brand new to church, has probably heard this chunk of scripture, like what happened. And especially the he who is without sin cast the first stone. Like that's even people who aren't Christians know that phrase. And so you're like, oh, man, that's, you know, how can you doubt that this happened? This is so, again, that shows that we can trust God's word and that this actually happened. No doctrinal things were changed. This is in alignment with everything else that we see in the Gospels. So we can trust the Bible. That was my first point. We've belabored that enough. Well, another thing we see in this text is uh, I think a lot of people, when we see this, there's a lot of speculation. It's like, oh, what did Jesus write on the ground? Is he writing to this? Is he writing that? Well, we don't know. It doesn't say. It specifically does not say. And so everything that we can have the content of what he wrote it's just speculation, and, and if we're honest, that's just what that is. It's speculation. So I think, um, obviously, the text tells us itself with this little citation. It's like, 
they're trying to trap Jesus up, right? That's exactly what they're doing. And he, and Jesus is kind of, he's on this little, the horns of dilemma, right? Because the Pharisees and the scribes, they're really smart. They know what they're doing. At this point in time, even they hadn't really practiced stoning, right? So that wasn't really common in the Roman era of uh, Jerusalem. And so, yeah, it's out of practice, but they're going to be like, all right, well, if Jesus is this special teacher, let's just try to catch him up. So if this woman caught in adultery and they're, they're trying to get Jesus to stone her, right? If Jesus, you know, he's on this dilemma. And if he said yes, then all of a sudden his ministry would have been discredited because everybody in Jerusalem is going around saying like, oh, Jesus, he's the friend of sinners. He's the friend of these terrible people. And now if he stones her and he's like, oh, okay, I guess he's not really their friend. Like we don't really have an advocate. But if Jesus said no, then he's openly breaking the law, like Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus. You see things like, if a man is found lying with a wife of another man, both of them shall die. So he, he, they're quoting this, which, you know, he'd be subject to arrest. Now, what's ironic about that is that they're, they're quoting other Old Testament laws that's talking about being stoned and stuff like that. And not one time is there only one guilty party in the sin of adultery. So it's like, where's the man? Where's the man in all this? It's clearly a, a hypocritical trap that doesn't even, you know. So anyways, I think what's funny is like when you see that, that they're supposedly putting Jesus in this dilemma, and then you see that he bent down and wrote on the ground. I think that's like, oh, this is like some really deep stuff. Because like I said, we need to not figure, try to figure out what Jesus wrote. But it's just the fact that he wrote on the ground. I think that's the most powerful thing. And whoever's written this down has done this for a reason. Like, it's not what Jesus wrote on the ground. It's that he wrote on the ground. And so you see this, and it says, he wrote on the ground with his finger, which we would easily pass over that. But this is clearly an echo, what we call a kind of a quote from the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. So here are these Pharisees. They're trying to trying to pull out old legislation from the old covenant the old testament and they're like oh you got a stoner and if you don't you're gonna you know break the law and jesus is like uh he's writing with his finger and he's you know echoing exodus 31 and deuteronomy where we see the 10 commandments like the law and it says in those verses he gave them the moses this is god and when he had finished speaking with him on mount sinai the two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with the finger of god and Deuteronomy says, and the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So clearly, whoever has written this phrase and saw this happen, this actually happened, they're making a specific point to say, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger. And sharp folks who really get the Old Testament realize, oh, Jesus is God. Like they're trying to put God in this so-called dilemma based on like this fine interpretation of the law to the very person who wrote the law, right? How ironic is that? And so we, we ask like, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, we know the rest of the story that Jesus is going to be, he's going to take that stoning proverbially. He's going to take that punishment for sin on the cross in our place. And so this episode has been probably a little bit more complicated, and it's like, oh, thanks, that doesn't really speak into my life a whole lot. But everybody sinned, and everybody is that adulterer at some point. Jesus says, you know, if you looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in her, your heart. So no one can escape 
being with with sin, and that's what Jesus says: He who is without sin cast the. We we're all sinners. We're all in big trouble. The Pharisees and the scribes were even worse trouble than the woman because they're prideful about it. They don't realize how much of a sinner they are. And so that's that's what applies to us. God's grace fuels our repentance. God's grace fuels our change. Verse 11, you know, he's like, is anyone condemning you? She said, no. And then he's like, the one person who can condemn her says, no, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin from now on no more. Don't sin anymore. And I think that's super practical to us because the whole gospel, what Jesus said, what he came to do is grace. We don't deserve it. He took that punishment for us on himself so that we wouldn't stay like what we are. And we see that in a microcosm here when Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. So God's grace fuels our repentance. I hope that's helpful to you today, uh, wherever you are, that you can trust the Bible and that God's grace in your life, which is abundant, will fuel your repentance, that you can get up, whatever you're caught up in, you can, you can through the power of the Holy Spirit, because of what he's done for you, repent, change your mind, go a different direction, and start to walk in holiness, to look more like Jesus. So I hope you are doing that, and we'll see you guys on the next episode of the New Vision Podcast. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.